This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing it a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 148th edition of the podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on this 4th of July, if you're even with us and not completely wasted, uh, the podcast, as always, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and right above your video window on Periscope is the Apple Podcast link. You can click it directly from there. Subscribe. All of our shows are available. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, taking two out of the three games. Kind of an ugly series. Red Sox are still 11 back of the first place Yankees. I'm Terry Cushman, and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling. And uh, on this 4th of July episode, it will be just the two of us. Hardest working guys in Red Sox podcasting, because we do two a week, and I'm not sure literally anybody else would record, you know, a little after 10 p.m., on the 4th of July. So how are you, Jeremy? Uh, it's a little after 11 p.m. and I'm doing oh. better than expected. I I haven't even had any alcohol and I, I don't know what time it is. Uh, a <laughs> little after 11 p.m. All right. Well, you know, it was an ugly two out of three. The pitching, aside from David Price, was kind of terrible. But uh, I guess we'll take it for now. I guess. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't feel any better. <laughs> this game should have been a loss. Um, you know, but but it's a win. And, you know, it's a, it's a positive finish. And we're going to talk about tonight's game because our heroes and zeros tonight are obviously going to um focus in on uh, on the game that swung this series in the Red Sox favor but just as just to give you a little um you know state of the union here you got to start winning games in bunches cuz Tampa Tampa Bay is 50 and 38 they have they're plus 1 in the wild card then Cleveland then Oakland then Texas and then you and now you're two and a half back of the wild card with two teams ahead of you for the second spot. So it, it's, it's, it's time to finally, uh, and I, I think it's appropriate with the trade deadline coming up. I mean, I, th- I think we're going to know in 10 days. I think we're going to know in 10 days. This is a big series coming up against Detroit. We're going to talk about that later too, but it's time to finally, we've talked about it relentlessly. It's time to shit or get off the pot. And, 
it's not just lip service. It's just not something to say. It's not only if they don't get going in the right direction, are they not going to be a World Series contender, but this team will be different in a month if they don't start winning games. So, anyways, Terry, uh, do you want to start us off with your hero tonight and change things up a bit? Uh, sure. Why not? Uh, I'll go with there's uh, some several good candidates. Devers is the obvious one, nine RBIs. That's kind of been the norm, so I'm actually going to go with Michael Chavis, who continues to be impressive. Uh, Four out of 12 on the series, but had probably the biggest moment of tonight's game with a three-run shot, which uh, got us, we were down by two, that gave us a one-run lead and changed the entire, you know, tempo of the game. And uh, I'm impressed. You know, he's kind of hanging out at the bottom of the order there. And I think that's a good spot for him. It's a low pressure area. Bradley has been hitting pretty well in front of him. So has Holt. Um, Vasquez, you know, having a great year. Also had a great series. But I, I like what I'm seeing from Chavis. And it, it just looks more and more likely he has played his final minor league game I can't really see him getting sent down at this point he just seems to steadily produce and um, has worked his way out of some slumps so I'm gonna make him my hero for this series the thing with Chavis is if you look at his number if, if you look at his power numbers He's got 15 home runs, 47 RBIs. If he was here a full year, he'd be a 3,100 guy. And he still may be if he gets hot after the All-Star break. That's the hard, that's the, that's the incredible thing. But notwithstanding that, it, you know, he's easily uh, on a 162-game a pace. He's easily a 3,100 guy. Just, you know, um, impressive. He's been impressive. He obviously doesn't fear the moment. Big hit tonight in a big spot. Um, you know, a lot of people roll over on that slider that he got uh, because it was a big moment and the, the momentum shifting and you're geared up and you're ready to go and you get that slider and you just roll it over to third base or pull it foul and, you know, but nope, he stayed back and he put a good swing on it and it was a no doubter. Um, and then the other thing with Chavis is uh, plus he's a plus defender at first base. Well, I don't know if he's a plus defender, but he's at least average. And, um, for a guy who had no experience in the minors at that spot, for him to be what he is, has been impressive. So, uh, credit to Chavis and, uh, you know, agree with the, agree with the hero, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, OPS of, uh, eight fourteen on the air. So just about a hundred points above the average. So be, uh, yep. interesting to see, um, you know, and I agree fully. I mean, he, he is, a 3,100 guy, and I think he will reach it despite the month, you know. So I think there's a potential for 4,110, you know, on a, you know, given year. You know, I, I'm not going to mention the juice baseballs, but we're in, we're in, you know, a time in history where, you know, home runs are going to be pretty prevalent, and I, I don't think 40 is uh, out of the realm for him. Uh, Way to not mention the juice baseballs. There, credit to you. <laughs> uh, who who do you have? I I I I'd like to see him hit sixth, um, just because his ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark 
in any at bat. Uh, his, his knack for driving in runs. I understand he's a young player, and you want to have him um, not pressing, but I just think that you're you're potentially taking an, one at bat away and potentially one run producing situation away from him by having him hit eighth. So that's the only thing I'd have there. But uh, I have Marco Hernandez. He had uh, no role in this series except for a pinch hit at bat tonight in the ninth inning off uh, Giles, who's a legit stud. Um, and he went oppo taco, uh, you know, to really just save this team. And this was a very important win, as important as Chavis's home run was to give him the lead. This is the, the home run that gave him the win. Um so he's my hero, but just as a, as an aside from the moment, Cora went with well two things. One, Cora decided to start Vasquez as the DH. So when it got to this point in the game, and they, I mean, you can choose anyone in the team over uh, Sandy Leon offensively for that spot, but they they chose Marco Hernandez. Just says a lot because that means that that forced the pitcher spot into the lineup. Uh, with Vasquez moving from DH to catcher. so And I know it obviously worked out, but if this game goes 12, 13 innings and you have a pitcher hitting at some point or you're burning in at bat to avoid a pitcher hitting, uh, could have it, it just it just it could have been a situation. Uh, as it were, uh, Bullet dodged. Uh, you know, Marco obviously hit the home run. And the second thing is Marco over Benintendi. You know, he went with her. You know, he went with Marco over Andrew Benatendi. That's kind of hard to believe, but it worked out. He looks like a genius, and uh, at least for now, uh, you know, we win the series, and 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 the sky's not quite falling yet. Yeah, you know, and that's you know, we're on the road, so it wasn't a. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't even in the ninth inning, was it? Well, that was an eighth inning shot, I believe, or was it the ninth? Top of the top of the ninth. Top of the ninth. So if this was at home, it would have been a walk off then. Um, and he had he did hit a walk off previously uh, a few weeks ago. So the point being, you know, he's come through in a couple of big moments late in games that you know basically you know ended up being the you know the deciding run. So I like him. You know, we kind of chronicled his injuries the fact that he had i forget how many surgeries it was it was several on his shoulder setback after setback and kind of made his way up and you know has made the most of the moments he's been given and very likable guy very unselfish which you know kind of goes with you know the theme you know for the red Sox. as frustrated as we get you know there's nobody you know, complaining and with the all-star, you know, drama, you know, Devers not making it and, you know, the, you don't hear a lot of crying, you know, out of the Red Sox. So that's nice and, you know, good to see Hernandez come through in a big spot. Um, you want me to get into my zero? This one could be a kind of a broad topic. Go for it. I'm going with Chris Sale again, and, uh, you know, I I don't like the fact Vasquez was his catcher, and while we're on that, I don't like the fact that Sandy Leon was catching tonight. I don't think there's any reason for Sandy Leon to be in a game unless it's the catch. 
Sale or Porcello, and you could have had Nunez, who has you know you know been scuffling a little bit, but I think we can agree that you know anyone is better than Leon at the plate. So Vasquez could have caught tonight. Nunez could have DH'd. You could have had you could have put Hernandez in for the whole game if if you wanted to go that route. But uh, I I don't I don't like what I'm seeing and and Sale did kind of grind a little bit. He he didn't they didn't really pounce on him early. He struck out the side in the first inning. Uh, that accounted for 3 of his 5 strikeouts, you know, only struck out 2 after that and it was a bit of a grind and gave up 3 homers on the night, uh one to Jansen who continued to murder us tonight and uh the final go ahead uh, home run to the Blue Jays nine-hole hitter Brandon Drury. Um, you know that basically decided the game. He went five and two-thirds, gave up nine hits, was charged for all five uh, runs, and uh, walked a couple. But this is a guy who just scuffling, can't figure it out, and. I don't really know what to expect. You know, these are uncharted waters. We're not used to Chris Sale struggling before August 1st. And it was his third straight start where it wasn't a quality start. So hard to imagine, you know, climbing back into a wild card at the very least if he's going to scuffle like this. Yeah, you beat me to it there with your last point. Um, this has uh, been a season of of basically you know recovery shots if you if I can make a golf analogy, and this guy has to be good. He has to be consistent um, because no one else is. The bullpen sucks. He has to give you seven innings. Um, he has to leave the game with a comfortable lead so the so the innings uh, the bullpen face are less stressful. He's just not doing it. And you know he's three and eight. A lot of it's not his fault, but he's still three and eight. He's still leaving the game with the game tied or them losing. So it's just not good enough. And you paid the guy a shitload of money to be your to be your ace, to be a top five pitcher, to be a top two or three left-handed pitcher in the entire game of baseball, and he's just not that. He's extremely average. So it's problematic, and. You know, he's two or three starts away from where he historically dips. Um, and I'm not just talking about performance, but availability due to injury or fatigue or whatever may be the issue. But, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is some sort of pullback in an attempt to stay healthy for the full for the, for the full year. And if that's the case and he is good, may, you know, maybe it makes some sense. But I think that's a stretch. And, um you know, uh, if I were to list the problems uh, on a piece of paper one through ten about what why this team is what it is, I'd start one bullpen and I'd say two Chris Sale. His uh, earned run average uh, is back above four now, and I think it was around two seventy or so. So that you know he's up over a full run from where he was, and. I just, I think he's healthy. I mean, it's that—it's strictly performance. Would you agree? 
Yeah, that's why I mentioned that I think there's a chance he's trying to, I don't know, be a little bit different than he normally is this time of year because I, I think he's self-aware enough that something needs to change so he's available in, in August and September. Now, I mean, with that said, you, you still have to be good enough to win these games. I mean, the, the August and September games are going to be completely meaningless here in a, in a week if we don't start stringing some together. So, you know, I, like I said, it could be a stretch, but I think it's a possibility. Yeah, that, you know, I think that you, he's keeling it back a little bit. Yeah, being conservative is, I think, what you were underlining. Um, I'm starting to, you know, I, I've stayed off of his contract for most of the uh, first half of the season. But, you know, when I'm going through my Twitter timeline, you know, while he's still on the mound, people are starting to question whether the Red Sox should have waited, you know, which was my primary gripe. And I mean, if this ends up being how the rest of the season plays out, where he's not necessarily terrible, but scuffling the whole way. I mean, what would, what would the off season have been like seeing what we've seen and, and watching the drop offs, you know, for three straight years, you know, in the last couple months, I think the biggest change would be the amount of the money that he'd be offered. Very much. So, and, and the years. I mean, we talked about it a lot. It was a gamble. I mean, if he comes out and he's 8-3 and three with a 2-8 ERA, he's gonna cost, it's going to cost you more money. If, you know, <laughs> what's happening is happening, you know, you would have saved some money. There's no question about it. Yeah. You I, know, and that was the inherent risk in doing the deal at the time they did it, you know, so – Right. And I just, I guess why I'm bringing it up is, you know, it's probably going to become more of a topic as, you know, his trend continues here. And when you pile on the fact that we're almost definitely not winning the division, and I would say the playoff, the wild card situation is really 50 50. Uh, you know, I, I think we're right in the middle. I don't think we're going to catch the Rays. I think they're going to get better, especially when Glass now comes back, and he is expected to be back. I think Snell is going to get out of his slump, and Oakland's gotten pretty hot, and the Rangers are about 10 games above 500. So, I mean, you know, and we very easily could have lost two games in this series. So, you know, it. You know, it, it's just, it's a very perilous situation. And, you know, with, I think Dombrowski is facing more heat, you know, the longer we go. Not not only for the moves he did and did not make, you know, before the season started, but for the bullpen, you know, not being aggressive there. And I just think the totality of, you know missteps we've made is going to be an issue and i think chris sales contract is going to be a pretty glaring one i don't disagree i don't disagree i mean it's 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 a problem man it's a problem and here's the other part of the problem if sale is on the front end of the rotation the back end my zero velasquez has been an absolute dumpster fire 
And the Sox have announced this week that Nathan Avaldi, when he returns, will be the closer. So I don't necessarily disagree with the move. And I mentioned it at the, the, the podcast we recorded specifically because of his contract. I mentioned, I, I said something to the effect of, isn't it interesting that his exact dollar figure is the same as a Roldis Chapman? And I think was within another million or so of a couple other top end closers who I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I thought the amount of the contract, the amount of the annual value was um, interesting. I thought it told a little bit of a story that potentially the team could see him in this role at some point, especially if he had some health concerns, and now that's coming true. Um, So, you know, to me, as much as Evaldi potentially helps, assuming he's good in in the role with the back end of the bullpen, it does nothing for the fifth spot, and tonight... Velasquez really didn't give you a chance to win. You overcame it, and that's, uh, you know, I'll talk about that in a second, but you overcame it, and that's great, but it, it, it masks, and so people are talking about Chavis's home run and Marco Hernandez's home run and the, and the job that some of the guys in the bullpen did, but um, to me, the big takeaway from this game is that Velasquez is not the answer for the fifth starter, um, and I don't know that they have an answer. And it's a, it's a real it's a real real big problem, um, you know. Maybe Wright can step into that role at some point, but uh, Velasquez, uh, his stats. Um, Chris Smith uh, had a tweet a couple hours ago, highlighting the difference between his starter ERA and his bullpen bullpen ERA. It's not even close. He's just so much uh, more effective in in a bullpen role. So um, he sucked tonight. Um, you know, and then the last part, like I just alluded to, as much as this rotation and bullpen has failed this 2019 version of the Boston Red Sox, this lineup refuses to go away. And I give them a ton of credit for fighting and willing themselves to victories they should not have as a result of the pitching staff not giving them a chance. Uh, the, you know, the Yankees London series, uh, obviously. Uh, the pitching was just so fucking pathetic, but they scored a ton of runs, and and actually they were better batting average and OPS than the Yankees in that series. It's just their pitching was that much worse. So, you know, again tonight, uh, Velasquez gives you no chance, but the lineup fights like hell, gets it even. Uh, Workman gives up the the run in the bottom of the eighth to allow it to uh, to get tied again, and then the lineup comes right back out and a pitch hit a roll. Marco hits a home run, so. You know, the juxtaposition by basically how much this li- uh, uh, lineup has helped um, overcome a lot of the pitching problems is, is, is just my last point. So Velasquez is my zero, but it it tells a broader story, uh, both with the issues with the bullpen, the starting rotation, and the juxtaposition between the pitching staff and the, and the lineup. It does, and I was going to make the observation. I, I hadn't seen Christmas tweet, but, you know, Velasquez – within the last few games had a multi-inning, you know, relief appearance late in the game and was pretty impressive. And then, you know, I got to thinking about tonight's start not being impressive. And I was kind of, you know, at that moment, I kind of picked up on the pattern that he hasn't been very good as an opener. So, I mean, I think that's something that they'll probably have to get away from. Um, you know, and, and, 
you know, hopefully Velasquez will be more serviceable in, in a late inning, you know, mid to late inning role. Um, you mentioned Evaldi going to the bullpen. I'm all for that. I I don't think he's durable enough to pitch 160, 170 innings a year. I just don't. I think he's going to end up on the DL every season. He's going to have to have stuff done to his arm. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I don't even think he's 30 yet. So it's not even out of the realm that he might even need a third Tommy John surgery. It's not unheard of. And I think he has to go to the bullpen. The Red Sox were stupid and giving him a four-year deal. I don't think any other team was north of two years. So the Red Sox literally outbid themselves. And, you know, the, the average annual value doesn't doesn't bother me quite as much as the, the overall length of the deal. But I think if we're going to get the most out of that deal, he definitely has to be in the bullpen. And... You know, I've listened to the coverage on TV. I've read stuff, you know, from various beat writers. And the rhetoric still seems to point to the fact that they would rather have him start. But they're saying it would take at least a month for him to build up for that. So we may as well put him in the bullpen. And I don't think there's any choice. I think you you have to fix that bullpen. Everybody's been struggling as of late Colton Brewer gave up two or three runs tonight and I gave up on the game after that and went and watched some fireworks they they did string they did string together a couple of runs before I left and then um I missed the Chavis home run and but uh, you know the, the point is the bullpen struggling I don't really you know, have a ton of faith in Barnes. I think he kind of needs a breather. I don't think there's a way to really give him one. Walden has been struggling as of late, you know, and Workman can be scary as we saw in in the ninth inning there. Um, I think you have to put Evaldi in the pen. And if he can save us two games, if he can prevent two losses between the number one starter and the number four starter, I'm willing to wing it in the fifth game. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. You know, every fifth game through is uncomfortable, but we're not necessarily guaranteed to lose that game. And I just think I just think he's gotta go to the pen. Hembray's back, who knows what he's gonna be, you know, he tends to scuffle for a little while and then he settles into a groove and he was pitching he was lights out you know when he went on the dl so um hopefully he'll regain that form really fast remains to be seen for now and then another note darwin's on hernandez who oddly got promoted to triple a after leading the eastern league which is where our double a affiliate uh that's the league that the double a team plays in um he led he led that league in walks and then they promote him for whatever reason and he got shelled twice had 12 walks within his first two starts and uh finally they came to the conclusion that he needs to be a reliever and i think that's a smart move and his call up a few weeks ago, I forget which team. It might have even been Toronto. Um, he struck out the four first four batters of the game. So 
I think if he's a one inning guy, he could potentially be a force, but but it all remains to be seen. And going back to my original point, I want Evaldi in the bullpen. I just think that's where his uh, value is best. I agree with you. And one of the things I thought was kind of comical was um, Red Sox Twitter when it was announced, I think Wednesday night or Tuesday night. It was Tuesday night. Um, like 75% of the tweets were, this just reeks of desperation. Hey, uh, have you been watching the season? We're desperate. <laughs> like, of course it reeks of desperation. We're fucking desperate. What? Like I'm just, I was like, I'm just sitting there with like my my jaw in my hands. Like, of course, like they have to do something. They can't. They they don't have any chips. The best trade they're gonna make is just getting Navaldi back. So I mean, it just I was completely lost by Red Sox. Like, and I I could listen to arguments both ways. I side with you, Terry, on this one. Um, but. To say that it's somehow like desperation and that's pathetic, well, I mean, we're dealt the hand we're dealt at this point. It's obviously Dombrowski's fault, but, I mean, you got to do something. You can't just keep running the same guys out there. Now, uh, Brazier, by the way, was pretty good tonight. He had a 10-pitch inning um, right after they got the lead. So, Barnes, his stuff looked good tonight. Uh, he struggled a little bit, um, you know, but, but ultimately got the outs. And then Workman... I just don't like Workman at the end of the game, and that's where I could handle it being Evaldi. Um, his fastball is not good enough, so if he falls behind with the curveball, he it, his fastball in the strike zone scares the shit out of me. And uh, he was ultimately able to throw a good one to Vlad Jr. to get out get out of the game. But I don't. I, I like him in the seventh, sixth, and seventh. I just don't. I don't like him at the end of the game like that. I just don't. Um, so. Uh, to me, I, I agree. I think it's a clear-cut move. I think Evaldi's your closer, and uh, I think you pencil him in. I don't think you fuck with him. He gets the ninth when you have the lead. Period. End of story. Yeah, and th- those are good points on Workman. I mean, if Barnes were to figure it out, you know, and needed a, a breather on a given night, I, I wouldn't hate Workman in the eighth necessarily, but um, two innings in a row kind of scares me with him. I was wondering what Cora would do. Um I didn't know exactly who was available because, like I said, I missed two and a half innings or so. But, um, but yeah, I mean, his his walk rate just isn't going away. I think he's got, I heard O'Brien say on the broadcast, it was something like 28 walks in 38 innings. So that's pretty high. Um, also, getting, you know, into the... You know, the fact that this, you know, we're not going externally for a, a relief arm. You know, where we mentioned Henry being back, Evaldi, uh, you know, Hernandez. John Henry had uh, an interview earlier in the week and basically, basically confirmed that the Red Sox are not looking to, to add payroll. And Christopher Smith. Um, estimated us to be at about $240 million presently. The last luxury tax threshold is 246 so we're pretty close to that. And, you know, there's just really no path forward 
in terms of of acquiring someone just from a financial standpoint and we've discussed in recent episodes we don't really have the trade capital so we have who we have you know any solution is going to have to be internal whether it's getting someone off the dl or promoting someone from the minors uh, feltman has been pitching well as of late um lakens continues to pitch well in triple a but um just seems to struggle up here and again i kind of blame a little bit of that on cora but um it, it will be internal, and, and to hear John Henry say it, at least at least they're being somewhat honest with us because I'm so sick of going through my Twitter timelines and saying, oh, the Red Sox should get Shane Green. The Red Sox should get, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, they're not going to get these guys because any other team is going to outbid us. We just, we just don't have the, the horses on the farm to make it work. And... It just their expectations are too high and everybody needs to look at the situation look at the entire picture here and until the end of the season when money comes off we're not doing anything i agree i mean we're not gonna we're, we we are not going to outbid anybody so if it's going to be a move it's going to be some obscure veteran coming off an injury you know who's just came out of his throwing program is ready to be back but he's still on an expiring deal so hey here's a low-level prospect for a guy that we're not going to pitch because we're not contending anyways it's not going to move the needle i mean it's not so you know it's why we've talked a little bit about bets i mean i don't just don't think they're going to move bets before this trade deadline but that's i think that's the only viable option at this point um, and I don't think they have the balls to do it. So, you know, I, that, we're stuck. We're stuck in a bad spot. The only thing I will say, and Terry, then I'll turn it over to you, is let's get some good starting pitching in this Tigers series, and then let the bullpen basically take a week off, and then let's see if we can't springboard that into a, a, a more efficient back half of the season with, you know, the expectation that Sale will be better, and you know. Um, you know, the pitching staff will hopefully be better as far as the starting pitching. So it's just not so taxing in the second half of the season as it was in the first. With that said, I don't believe that'll happen. I think it's just going to be a nightmare, but go ahead. Well, you mentioned Mookie and I was just thinking earlier because like I had said, you know, after Brewer came off the mound, we were down by five and still had a lot of innings left to go with our bad bullpen. And I was I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this fan base is getting angry and hostile even. And I just don't know. I don't think they would have the balls like you just said. I just think they they would instantly go into damage control. And I, I don't think Mookie, I just don't think he's going to be a key, you know, a, a key move you know, this July, as much as I'd like to see it happen. I just, I don't think he will. Yeah. I mean, you I know, mean, don't disagree. Before this episode, I'm thinking at least 50-50 or so. But um, a couple other things here. Um, 
Benintendi, you mentioned him, and you know he could have been an option to come off the bench, you know, instead of Hernandez or whatever. Um, apparently, they're worried about his swing, and they've. I guess it's been an issue since spring training. You know, there was a couple articles written on it, and. There was a couple of games where he sat two in a row and, you know, you and Stephanie thought maybe, you know, it could have been an injury and, you know, I, I thought, you know, possibly, but but the, his mechanics are all messed up and, and that's the reason he wasn't in the lineup tonight and he was 0 for 9 in the series and I think he was 0 for 3 in the... Um, final London game there so he's 0 for 12 and he's bouncing around the lineup and I think he's going to figure it out I'm, I'm not really worried long term and it, it sounds like they have a good handle on it but but this is kind of what I'm wondering though if the power doesn't come back and you know he's hitting around 290 and he's got his normal walk rate you know which tends to be in the 350 360 uh, area um, I just don't know that he has a ton of value in the sixth spot. I mean, he, I feel like he has to be in the top of the order somewhere. But at the same time, Devers is just destroying it in the in the two hole. Mookie's walking a lot and, and getting on base one way or the other. And you know, JD comes in, you know, third or fourth. I just. I just don't see how Ben is going to fit in all this. The The one solution you can do, it'd be kind of goofy, is you could put him ninth and he basically becomes an extra leadoff hitter. The Yankees have been doing that with Gardner and, and it works out well for them. But, I mean, where, where do you see him fitting? I mean, obviously the ideal situation is he's producing and he's hitting in the top of the lineup. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously, I mean, he's not. So that brings the next question into play is how do you handle that? Uh, I, I do like, uh, a temporary drop in the lineup and I like a temporary deep drop in the lineup. Hit him eighth, hit him ninth for a week. Even if he starts hitting, you know, especially if he starts hitting, you know, let him, let him go down there, rake, let him keep doing it. Let him, you know, let him have a... You know, let him put together a fourteen thirty streak with two home runs. You know, something like that in a week, and then and then, you know, move him up to seventh, move him up to sixth, and then put him in the two hole, back in the two hole, and see if he's you know if he's there, because that's where he has to be for this team to get where they want to go. And I just, even as I say that, I don't believe it, but I mean, he has to be one of your best offensive players for this team to probably even get into the wild card. So, but I do like the temporary drop. I do. And for one of two reasons, one, the player just does one of these and he's in the bottom of the lineup. And that's, you know, I don't think that's what Ben Tendi is, but you know, that just decompression, like, okay, I just don't have to worry as much. I think the, the other thing, and I think what would happen with Ben Tendi is embarrassment and motivation and the desire to be back where he wants to be in the lineup. And that's what I think gets him going. So I just that's don't, where I'm at with it. I just don't know that they'll put him there, though. I mean, Mookie Endeavors 1 and 2 is 
I, I just don't think Benintendi is as good as they are in that spot. He, even when, and I'm predicating this on once he returns to his normal baseline. And so I just don't, it's just. Well, with that said, Devers hitting fourth or fifth is also what's best for this lineup. I mean, he is a legitimate run producer at this point. I mean, he hits the ball. He hit a home run tonight. Uh, can hit the ball over the ballpark. He's a doubles machine. I mean, there's no question that he's best fitted if all things are created equal, meaning if his production's equal no matter where he is in the lineup, you put his production at fourth or fifth. Yeah. So uh, if that if that's the case, then Benning Tendy's second. Now, with what you're saying is, you know, he's obviously had a clear uptick in production in the two-hole. Why would we fuck with him? He's 20 years old or 22 years old. Just let him be. I don't disagree with that, but that doesn't mean that that's, you know, what is the ideal lineup. I mean, the ideal lineup is Mookie, Benintendi, JD, you know, Devers, Bogarts, in my mind, Chavis as your top six. That's a legit top six. That's one of the probably a two or third, two or three best top six in baseball. And but, I mean, look. I'm fine with that. That sounds good. Uh, Devers in the four hole sounds good. I just don't know that it sounds good to Alex Cora is my concern. And I I just I get that. And then what if you know, what if say Benintendi's in the sixth hole now or even the seventh hole and then Bradley finally falls off that cliff and and if Bradley's coming in behind him Ben and Tenny's not going to have anything. He, they're not going to pitch to him. You know, they're going to throw him junk because they know Bradley's not much of a threat. And Bradley was two for 13 in the series. So I don't know if this is where it starts or, or not. I hope not. But, you know, it's going to happen eventually. So I just, I, I like him in the two hole. I like Benny in the two hole. And I think he can be just as good offensively as Pedroia was all those years. And no, like, I think his upside's higher. I mean, in my scenario, after Chavis 6, I'd put Vasquez 7th. I'd put whoever's playing 2nd base 8th, and I'd put Bradley ninth. and I wouldn't fuck with Bradley. I don't understand, like, when Bradley starts to hit, why they want to move him up. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's what? Well, why? Well, like, he's not going to stay up. Why do you fuck with the guy? Just leave him ninth. He's your ninth hitter. He's your he's your center fielder. Just stop. So that's how I have it. And I mean, I would, um, I'd be okay with Holt or Marco Hernandez in that eighth spot, uh, playing second base. And that's my lineup. That's my ideal lineup. If everyone's hitting, if everyone's comfortable in their role, that's that's how I would have the lineup. But you know, yeah, that's that sounds excellent to me. And I don't mind the guy hitting really good in the in the nine hole anyway, because like I said, you know, he he basically becomes a second leadoff guy once the order goes through. And well, yeah, and I mean to your point, look, the best lineups in baseball aren't the best three four hitters. It's the best, you know, top to bottom lineup. You know, one of the ways you get one, two, three, four, and five another at bat is six, seven, eight, nine flips the lineup. And so you don't get four at bats, you get five. You know, so, I mean, look, I, I'm all for the bottom third producing. And, and the way Vasquez swinging it, 
uh, is swinging it the way you're getting offensive production with Holt and um, Marco. If you get anything from Bradley and I and you turn that lineup over, you have a deeper, longer lineup, and that's the, the that's the best offensive teams, not the guys who have the best three and four hitters. You know, ask ask the Angels how Otani and Trout are are doing for them in the three and four spots. You know, I mean, it's just you got to have a long lineup. So, you know, there's value in ninth. You know that that ninth hitter is likely to get the least amount of at bats in the season, but that's fine. But He's important to get one back up with people on base. And right now, your one hitter's Mookie Betts. So. Yeah, and especially, though, in the nine hole, if they have some speed as well. Um, and Bradley certainly does. Um, all right. You know, look, the Sox run relatively well, by the way, too. So Vasquez, who's not fleet of foot by any means, is a halfway decent base runner. Bradley's certainly not a base dealer. Uh, he's not an instinctual base runner, but he can run. Um, you know, so I mean, look, it, it, that's not the problem. The problem is you can't steal first base. So you got to put people at the bottom of the lineup that do what they have to do to get on and move the lineup along. And if Bradley's going, just put him there and go because Leon, uh, not Leon. Oh boy, Freudian slipped there. Um, Holt and Marco are going to move the lineup. Those guys are. Those guys are. You know, especially Brock. He's an offensive player. So. You know, if, you, if if Vasquez is hitting seventh and he continues to do what he's doing, I really like the bottom of the lineup. Uh, obviously, it doesn't do anything for our biggest issue, which is pitching. But yeah, I've got some numbers up right here, and I uh, I heard O'Brien talk about it uh, on Nesson, and I, I wanted to see it for myself. But the Red Sox are in a three-way tie for first place with batting average. Did you realize that? I did, and that's one of the things that I said is um, this offense just refuses to quit, and they fight, and they keep us in games despite the fact that, for example, today Velasquez sucked and didn't give you a chance to win. So, I mean, it's just the juxtaposition by uh, between what the pitching staff, both starters and bullpen, have done or, or have hampered you this year. The lineup has continued to fight, get you back in games, uh, like I said, I mentioned the London series. Um, you know, this game, obviously, you shouldn't win games. You're losing 6-1. to one. You just shouldn't. So they don't quit. They keep hitting, and some, some nights it's not good enough. Some nights they lose 7-6. to six. Um, But they fight, and they hit in all circumstances, even when most teams would roll over and die. Yeah, well, I'm at it. I, uh, I also uh, got some other stats here. Uh, we're 11th in the league in home runs, 5th in RBIs. Third in the league uh, as far as drawing walks go, and we're twenty second overall with strikeouts. So, I mean, that says we're basically, you know, we're pretty solid at the plate all the way around. You'd probably like to see the home runs come up because we do have a ton of power. We're just not showing it uh, as much, and uh, you know that probably goes with Mookie and uh, JD being a little uh, cooler than uh, they were last year. Um, so it's good to see, but it just when you're 10 games back, the, the pitching, as we said, is uh, pretty glaring. Um, before we get into the uh, next series, it's a, it's a quicker show when it's two of us for sure. Um, 
I think we can rule the uh, the the Nationals out from Scherzer. They're starting to play better ball. I think they were. I, I don't know what they did today, but coming into today, they were a game and a half out of the wild card and not too far out of the division anyway. I, I think the Braves are still going to win it, but um, nonetheless, I, I don't think Max Scherzer is going to be putting that uniform on. Marcus Stroman basically, you know, was pulled from today's start. How fitting would it be if he uh, puts that pinstripes uniform on, especially with the antics this year? Fitting. You know, it'd be fitting. Uh, he's a Red Sox killer. He hate that guy. Not not because I hate his antics. I don't mind his antics. I'd mind that he just beats the Red Sox every time out. But, um, you know, for me, and I know this goes a little bit against your segment here, but uh, to me, the the Yankees and the division is just, it's not even a, a topic of conversation anymore. Um, if they get someone like Stroman, um, or certainly Scherzer, that I, if we can get in the playoffs, that's where it bothers me because I don't think the Yankees are, even if they win the East by 25 games, I don't think they're a World Series contender because I just don't think they have the pitching. Stroman moves the needle a little bit in the right direction if you're a Yankees fan um, as far as that concern. Um, you know, as far as the antics, I, I don't hate the antics. I Personally, and we've talked about this, Terry, I'm pro-steroids, you're anti-steroids. I'm pro-bat flip, you're anti-bat flip. I don't care about... The composition of the baseball you do uh to me uh personality excitement brings fans to the game makes a, a game that's not growing you know hopefully grow so i'm i don't mind stroman as much i just mind that he gets he you know for whatever reason the red sox cannot sit back on his change up I mean, I I think he's a punk, so that's part. You know, I'm I'm never. Gonna, I know. That's I know. why I hate David Price. Why I hate Pedroia. Um, he interestingly has a a six point three seven ERA at Yankee Stadium, and of course, some Yankee fans chirped when I um when I posted that about a week or so ago, and said, "Yeah, well, he won't be facing the Yankees in Yankee Stadium." True. But I don't think he's a big market guy, and he's having a, a you know pr- pretty much a career year. Um, but I think it says a lot that the Blue Jays don't want to invest in him, where he's 28 years old, and I don't know. I I just I think it has the potential to be Sonny Gray 2.0. So it's not going to bother me one bit if uh, if that's where he ends up. Yeah, I would much rather that than him end up in Texas, Oakland, or Cleveland, where that those are the teams we need to beat to ha- even have a chance. Good point, especially Oakland, because that would be perfect for him, you know. Yeah, and that huge ballpark. I mean, look, one of the problems with the changeup is you get a lot of front foot, um, you know, uh, one arm swings where you fly out medium depth home runs. Some of those can turn into short porch home runs in Yankee Stadium. Um, I don't think that really has anything to do with it. I think it's an aberration. Um, I think the guy can pitch. I think he's a gamer. I think he's tough. Doesn't back down from the moment. Um, He is technically, the way he pitches is built for Oakland, although any pitcher is built for Oakland. (laughs) 
Um, but I mean, look, keep them out of Cleveland. Keep them out of uh, what's the other team? Oh, uh, oh, Texas. Yeah. Uh, because look, look, the Yankees are going to win the division, and if they don't, the Devil Rays are going to win the division. You're not. We are not going to win the division. So keep that guy. Keep Scherzer. Keep you know Bumgarner. Keep him away from the teams we have to leapfrog to get into the playoffs because we're going to our as Red Sox fans, our avenue is through the wild card. So. Yeah, and um, he was a pectoral injury. A pectoral muscle was the um, the listed reason for why he was out. But um, Charlie Montoyo, the Blue Jays manager, basically said, I have a quote in front of me. I won't read the whole thing, but uh, they don't expect him to return before the All-Star break, which is only next week. And they're insisting that he's fine, and he's definitely going to – pitch after the break so um i think it was just kind of a move to kind of keep him you know out of a semi-high profile game today and to protect his value because if they're not looking to re-sign him like i said they they definitely want to cash in and you know so just think there's a little little maneuvering going on with him as all. Yeah, I mean, the asset at this point from the Blue Jays' perspective is the tradeability. So he comes off a bad start. You hear pectoral. Contenders are going to be like, well, you know, I don't know. I want to see him pitch. Well, if you don't think he can go out there and get people out, you hold him back and you at least create the illusion that he's the same guy. So... Not not unexpected. There's a lot of gamesmanship that happens this time of year with bad teams that aren't contending. So um, now, with that said, if he gets healthy and he comes out after the All Star break and throws a seven, you know, seven inning two earned appearance, I, I'd expect him to be moved almost right away. Uh, and the other thing is, I think he has one more year of controllability. He does. So um, he's not a rental player, which I think broadens the amount of teams that would be interested in him. Absolutely. And Oakland could be, you know, one of those teams. Billy Bean, you know, tends to be aggressive. And um, I know their number one pitching prospect, I think it's uh, Jesus Lazardo, just had another setback. So uh, I don't know if he'll end up pitching, you know, with their club this year. Um, and before we do move on, I'll just point out that the Blue Jays, are probably halfway through their rebuild already. You know, they're not like Oakland or Miami or Seattle where they're right at the beginning. So they could conceivably, you know, start to compete here in a couple of years once their prospects, you know, finally reach the big leagues. Vladimir Jr. is up already and uh, Biggio. And there's another kid uh, of of a former major leaguer that, Man, I wish I remembered who it was. That's almost ready to be called up, and they think he might be better than Vladimir Jr. So their farm system's looking, you know, really good. And once these guys come up, it's just a matter of spending money at that point. And Toronto's more of a mid-market team, so they will spend, you know, a, a decent amount of money, you know, if they if they choose to go for starters. So. That's something that you know we'll be looking at here. The AL East could be a pretty 
probably the toughest division in baseball here in a year or two, much like we're kind of seeing with the NL Central right now where four teams could still, you know, win that division right now. So, uh, Before we leave the series, I have a confession to make. Sure. Yuri Gurriel. I, I, I hate the guy, but I like him. Wait, do you like, mean, I don't want to like him, but I do. It's weird. Yuli's the Astros you know? player, though. I, are you talking about him? Or? Oh, did I have it? I yeah. have it backwards. L- Lourdes Gurriel, yeah. Lourdes Gurriel. Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah. That guy, um, he made a great play in left tonight on um, on uh, uh, Mookie. I just like the way the guy plays. I think he's actually one of their better players. Um so I, you know, I, I guess I confused him with his what what they have to be related. They are their brothers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Yuri's I think ten years older, so my bad on the on the wrong player. But I mean, Lourdes, um, <clears throat> you know, good player. Um, you know, it, it, he's he's another guy. If you're talking about their rebuild, he's twenty five. Um, plays hard. Team seems to like him. He's kind of goofy, you know, but he's a gamer, man, and he does a lot of things. Um, you know, he gets in the nooks and crevices of a series and really and, and makes differences. So I like that player a lot, um, even though I don't like him, if that makes any sense. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, and luckily um, we're most of the way through that series. And they I mean, even Rowdy Telez – he, I think he's a rookie. If not, he's a second-year player, so a lot of control left on him and just murders us every time, and so does Freddie Galvis. And Galvis is just more of a journeyman than anything, but puts together, uh, you know, good games against us. And, um, you know, and then we you got all the kids that they have, and uh, <laughs> it's just... It's uh, it's interesting. Anyway, but if they can get, they can get some starting pitching, um, they they have a good base with their everyday players. They do. Yeah, that's what I mean. And it's only going to be a couple of years. And guess who's the guy who's putting together their minor league system and has been for the last two or three years? Any guesses? Is it Sherrington? It's absolutely Ben Sherrington, and he turned down. Right, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I get some credit for getting that right. I mean, <laughs> sure, just yeah. Blow off. I mean, come on, Terry. Jeez. Good guess, man. Um, <laughs> was yeah, it was this off season? So that's when the Mets brought in their GM Van Wagenen, and Sherrington turned down an interview with them. So, I that's interesting to me. And the current, I don't know how their front office is structured, but. Um, I just had his name. Mark Shapiro um, is basically the Dave Dombrowski of that team. And he came from the Indians, you know, and they had a good run. When we beat them in 07, that was his team, you know, that we beat. And I'm just wondering if Sherrington might be the GM or president in waiting, you know, for him. Because... We talked a little bit about it in either the last show or the one before that where I, I speculated. I don't know how much of the failures in 2014 and 2015 were really on Sherrington. 
you know, because Lucchino was breathing down his neck. And I, I know for a fact it was Lucchino that kind of pushed Panda and Hanley, you know, onto Sherrington. So I, I just don't know how much blame to put on Sherrington for the, for the failures of those two years, which ultimately led to his firing. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see him get another shot somewhere. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I thought he got kind of a bum rap. Um, blamed for sure. I don't want to go into the weeds here. Um, but he got blamed for some things I didn't agree with. I thought he did some things that were positive that got credited to Theo. Um, and I thought they were a little quick to move on from him. But it is what it is. I mean, obviously the team was right because Dombrowski built a championship team. So, um, you know, like I said, I don't want to get into the weeds because we could go down a rabbit hole of what credit went to Theo that should have went to Ben and then what Ben did that, but the, you know, the, the credit went to other people. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I look, and I think he was born and raised in Massachusetts, if I recall. So that in and of itself, you know, um, and he was, he was raised a Red Sox fan. So I, uh, he actually not Massachusetts. He was born and raised in Meriden, uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. So look, I mean, look, I root for the guy. Um, I thought he got a bum rap. Um, I'm glad to see that he has had some success with Toronto. And I, I, I think you're right on and you know, I don't like giving you credit. That's not a fake thing. I really don't like giving you credit. Um, he has built something in Toronto that's been sneaky, good and done it pretty quickly. So credit to Ben and I do root for the guy. Yeah. And, uh, another thing that comes to mind is, uh, Bill James had a lot more influence a few years ago. Um, than he does now, if he's even a part of the front office anymore. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll see what he does. Um, we'll just uh, move over into the uh, Detroit series now. Uh, I can't really find much of who they are starting. There's a lot of TBAs in there. We know uh, most of the Red Sox starters. Um, Game one tomorrow will be Eduardo Rodriguez versus Gregory Soto, who is 0-2 with an 8.44 ERA. And, you know, so if Rodriguez is on, and this is a very pitcher-friendly park too, so, um, you know, that could kind of play into our favor a little bit. But, you know, that that's a pretty good matchup for us. Um, Porcello versus uh a TBD on let's see that's Saturday's game and then David Price on Sunday and uh, that's it uh, till the All-Star break so uh, any any thoughts on this series I do know that Detroit has they're in the bottom one or two for run differential so this is a team that's gotten hammered on all season long I mean, they, they suck. Um, it's kind of funny because one of the reasons why they suck is because of uh, Dombrowski. Um, he gutted them in an attempt to win, and then when it didn't work <laughs> out, he bolted for the Red Sox. So That's... I kind of like playing the Tigers as a result of that. They're 28-54, which is just epically, uh, epic, epically pathetic. Um, 
you know, so Soto sucks. You know, he is a sub nut, just under nine ERA. Um, you know, limited innings, but he hasn't been good. Uh, Erod, just I'm begging him to be a little bit more consistent. Um, and I'd really like for him and Rick to pitch deep in the game to to let these bullpen arms piggyback off the All Star break as far as rest. Like if we could get if we could if the bats hit and Erod can go seven and Porcello can go seven and Price can go seven and you only need six innings out of the bullpen and you're blowing teams away and it's Weber and you know the guys that aren't going to be here in September getting the, the last outs. So we can avoid Brazier, we can avoid Barnes, we can avoid Workman. That would be the ideal situation um, because I would love for these guys to have a week off. So Erod, um, big start. I, I don't care that it's a shitty team. It's an important start. It's a really, really important start. And not just to get five and get a win. It's go seven and be an asset to the back end of the bullpen. Same with Rick, same with David. We've got some TBDs in there. Um you know, and then by the way, after the Tiger series, you go play LA, and LA wants to kick your ass, and they're thirty games over five hundred. So, you know, look, yeah. you got to. It's it's not just how you win these games because you should beat the shit out of this team. You have to give key guys breaks. Uh, both Brazier and Barnes pitched tonight. I wouldn't mind if they didn't pitch in the series if we could hit. Um, give guys breaks so that they're sharp for the second half of the season so that you can use them as you want to use them in the second half of the season. This is a hugely important series. And I'm not talking, like, if you lose two or three, I mean, that's that's a travesty. I'm not even talking about you got to win two or three, you got to sweep, and you got to do it the correct way. you got to get guys rest so they can piggyback off the All-Star break. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I mean, we sh- th- we should sweep here. I mean, Rodriguez and Price are coming off of decent starts, and um, Porcello scuffling a little bit, but this is a team, even if he does scuffle, you know, the offense can still kind of carry the day like they did tonight, so uh, minimum two out of three here, and, and possibly a sweep. Um, you mentioned Dombrowski. That's interesting because, and especially interesting where we're going to be in Detroit. You know, I wonder if he gets any dirty looks from the front office staff because he screwed that team so bad. And, you know, I, I covered the fact that this is their fifth straight non competitive season. They're going to have at least two or three more, you know, as they're working their way through their own rebuild. So that's, that's at least eight years of of purgatory that Dombrowski has put this organization in. And I forgot to underline one other point as to why we won't get Shane Green. Do you think this organization wants to help out Dave Dombrowski and say, all right, here you go. It's going to cost us at least one more significant prospect that we don't have anyway to get a guy like that. So I just love to be a fly on the wall as Dombrowski makes his way through there because he does travel with the team. I look at it this way. The Tigers are going, who's the one guy we know who will give up whatever prospects we ask for to help the Major League (laughs) roster? 
Let's call Dave. Let's call Dave. Maybe he'll give us fucking uh, Dahlback, uh, Chavis. <laughs> uh, who's the shortstop in Double A? Uh, oh, Chatham. Uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll even throw in groom, even though we know he's underachieving, you know, let's just get those four guys for this guy. So he can go, you know, underwhelm in the postseason this year. I, I don't know, man. I don't think they hold a grudge. Honestly, I think he's a, you know, Dombrowski's a sucker for proven talent and, uh, he's willing to overspend in prospects, which, you know, yeah, but, you know, I don't. I mean, we won a World Series because he was able to go get sale because we were able to go spend it on Kimbrel. Uh, you know, but at some point he didn't stop and it became a problem and he made trades like the Thornburg trade and some others oh, that you know were just brutal. totally wrong and you know. But anyways, look, I, 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 I think Green, like you said, is a pipe dream. We, we, we can't. And I would not be surprised at the end of the season to hear things like management stepped in and blocked trades. You know, I really wouldn't be. and Or, or even in real time where they just, you know, there's there's rumors and then they die because you can't trade the slim prospects we have for a team that's not going to win a World Series. So, Yeah, and, you know, I guess to kind of put a wrap on it, you know, it is an important series, and if you can rest guys, like you said, that is key because we're going to hit the round, hit the ground running uh, with the Hit dog. the round running. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's getting yeah. late, guys. For those listening to this podcast, it's now after 12.15 in the morning, so yeah. credit to Terry and I for trooping through this thing. Yeah, right? on the 4th of July. But um, I know. the Dodgers are going to be pissed, you know, because we denied them of their second straight World Series. And I was going to say they probably would be pissed at us for not warning them about Joe Kelly. But I got Kelly's stats up right now, and he's pitched very well. He's, his ERA is 576, but it was over 7 and maybe even 8 at one point. And uh, hasn't given up a home run since May 27th. And... Uh, let's see, only two earned runs in his last dozen or so starts. So he might be Mr. Nasty, you know, at the end, you know. But we'll we'll cover that when we get there. Um, Just to highlight, it, it, but, you, but what you're saying that is to highlight how important this Tiger series is because you're walking into a hornet's nest after the All-Star break. Exactly. And then I, I talked to last episode, we're going to have 14 straight games starting July 22nd against either New York or Tampa Bay. And we just we start with one of them. I think it's Tampa Bay. And then we just rotate every other for four series. And, and both Yankee series are four-game sets. So... That's the perfect way to lead up to July 31st because we're going to know exactly where we are and we're going to know exactly where they are. And, you know, be an interesting, uh, could be an interesting day, you know, on the 31st. Excuse me. Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, go to bed? None. None. All right. Excellent show, and uh, we'll be back, uh, what, Sunday to uh, recap. And then we're going to have a week off, really, I think, aren't we? Yeah, because we're probably probably just going to preview the Dodgers series on Sunday, so... Yeah, we'll hit on on some of the festivities and uh, comment on how some of the Red Sox players that are involved do. Um, 
but uh, I think mo- ma- the next time we speak to uh, to the listeners, we'll be highlighting the Dodgers series. So everyone enjoy the uh, uh, Tiger series and the All Star festivities. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good night. Episode 148 in the books. Busy day, fireworks, barbecues, Red Sox podcast. So, I, I, that's a good day for me. But anyway, uh, you know, ugly series with Toronto. Fortunately, uh, we do take two out of three. Things are lined up as we just uh, covered with the Tigers. So, um, you know, hopefully we kind of cruise through that with no more uh, damage. Yankees started a four-game set today against Tampa Bay. I'm pretty sure they won that uh, in the extra innings. But uh, so we'll we'll see. But we're just kind of grinding along, hoping to get into a wild card spot. Two and a half games out uh, in that department. So it's going to be a good series to cut that down. So everyone, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I know a lot of people are on vacation Fourth of July week. So if you are, enjoy it. And uh, for the rest of us, who uh, aren't, you know, enjoy uh, the weekend uh, when that rolls in. And uh, be safe as well. A lot of, a lot of partying, barbecues, drunk drivers. Wear your seatbelts. And uh, we'll be back with you on Sunday night. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive left field. Ben and coming on. Dodge. And then he makes the catch. He did. He got it. There we go. Time to party. Right here. 3 2. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? 